0: Hello and welcome to the November 21st, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So, as we all know, tomorrow is the big day for Thanksgiving. And I have to say that I'm absolutely looking forward to it. Um, You know, listen... It's it's a relaxing holiday. It really is. It's it's one of those holidays that, um, you know, what else is there to really do other than eat? That's it. That's what it comes down to. Now, whether or not I'm going to be able to eat properly with this annoying, ridiculous implant tooth that I got going on, uh, that, that remains to be seen because I got to tell you something. My wonderful, beautiful wife, uh, who often if not always, will make me lunch for work. I mean, she's amazing. She packs a lunch for me every morning. And today, she happened to put a bagel in my lunchbox. And on the bagel, she put tuna. I'm not a bagel person, but I okayed this (laughs) last night. So anyway, for what it's worth, I ate this bagel today, and it was rather big and it was not so soft, and I have to tell you, since I've eaten over, um, you know, maybe two and a half hours ago, I'm hurting, my entire mouth feels differently than before I ate, it's as simple as that, you know, I almost feel, I mean, listen, I don't want to gross anybody out, but I almost feel, it's it's like if I have, like, blood in my mouth now, it's like I'm swallowing blood, um, That that part that's been bothering me feels like it's more inflamed than ever internally. Um, So I don't know, everybody. I just don't know. Here's what I do know. I went for my CAT scan last night, and I brought back um, the CD, Because they print you out a CD or develop a CD of your scans. And my God, what a dummy I was like last night. You had to see me analyzing these scans. I don't know anything about this. I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you this. I found the screw. And if I didn't know any better, I would say nothing seemed abnormal. I mean, it didn't seem like it was poking into anything that it shouldn't be. But again, I don't know, everybody. I'm not you know, I'm not a doctor. I guess I'll have to wait and find out. I'm hoping Friday they'll be in. I mean, obviously, today is probably too soon. I haven't heard from anybody yet, considering I went last night. I didn't expect to hear from anybody yet. But, you know, the big thing here is, again, well, what happens if they tell me that they can't find anything wrong? I mean, clearly, something is not right. It's as simple as that. It's, it's, very, it's clear as day. Something is not right. And you know, it's uh, it's amazing because what I'm starting to notice now, even after this chewing incident with this bagel, the more that my implant or the implant area hurts, the more symptoms I get other than just the pain under the nose. For example, one particular symptom that I get, which has to lead me to believe that this is sinus related, is I'll get that post-nasal drip in the back. It's like it comes from out of nowhere. Um, you know, once I, once I do any excessive, f- put any excessive force on that tooth. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'll tell you this though. If I was to update you on my health or my CAT scan from last night, there would be no way that I could leave out an update on the absolute rage that I engaged in last night before I left for this CAT scan. And just hear me out for a second, because my goodness, you want to talk about somebody who just can't keep their act together lately in terms of my overall... It's starting to remind me of the way I used to be. Now, again, these are all short-lived incidents, whereas, you know, they used to go on for hours and hours, and, you know, I wouldn't recognize it until I destroyed an entire day, an entire... Um, room or an entire, you know, um, you know, entire car, whatever it might be, and then I would feel guilty afterwards. Well, now at least the guilt settles in right away. Um, but you know, last night, man, oh man, I mean, I'll paint you the picture. We're eating dinner, and I had a seven thirty appointment for the cat scan, and my wife turns to me and she says, "You know, why? Why don't you give them a call?" When I made your appointment. They had several appointments before you. Maybe you can get in early. I said, that's a great idea. So I called up. They got me in for 6.30. Now it's about 6.10. It takes about 10 minutes to get there. I'm saying to myself, you know what? I can make it. Not a big deal. So I, you know, I I get myself together and get into some comfortable clothes. And all of a sudden, I think to myself, oh, boy, I'm going for a CAT scan. And in my ears, I have earrings, so... Okay, easy enough. They're these diamond earrings. I take off the backings, take out the diamonds. Doesn't stop there. It's now an eyebrow ring. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, babe, I, I never took this out. I should have done this last night. Can you please help me? Now, she's always been able to get that little ball back on. So she's like, now, now granted, now it's 6.15, and I literally have five minutes to leave the house. And she turns to me and says, I can't do it right now. I said, you can't do it? What do you mean you can't do it? And she's like, hold on, hold on. You know, I don't know what she had in her hands or what she was doing. So she sits me down on the couch, and she I, it honestly felt like she was going to tear my eyebrow directly off my face. That's how hard she was trying to twist that ball. I don't know if she was engaging in the righty tidy, the lefty-loosey, but, you know, of course, I'm um, ow, ow. And she's like, well, I don't know what you want from me. You know, she was certainly not nice, but let me tell you something. I was certainly not nice back, and I was like, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. Hey, it's not my fault. You know, you're, you're blaming this on me. So I went to the bathroom. I did it myself. Um, I was able to get the little ball off. I pulled the, ear, the eyebrow ring out, and I noticed, oh, good God, I have a hoop in my upper ear you know, in that upper part. And it's not one of those hoops that, you know, you could clip on. It's a, it's a, it's a ring, but it's a specially made ring where, you know, you don't see any of the openings or any, I don't know how they do it. I know it's a body piercing thing. I know it had to be specially done. And I knew this, that I couldn't get it off. So then I asked her, And she says to me, you're going to yell at me if I break it. I'm like, oh, good God. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And guys, I started screaming. I'm like, I don't believe you're doing this to me. I got to be somewhere. I've been waiting to get this done. And, you know, finally she took it out. (laughs) And, you know, yes, it was broken, but I I didn't care at that point. I didn't care. So everything was out. And, um, you know, I was real nasty, real nasty, yelling and screaming about not having my jewelry out like it was her fault uh got there took the test it was literally about a minute and a half long and i said to myself you know what i'm not going back home and asking her to help me put these things back in the earring i know needs to be done by a body piercer because of the way that it's built And I said, in the eyebrow, I mean, she's never given me a hard time before taking it out or putting it in, but considering the way that I treated her and the mood that she's probably in now, she ain't putting this back for me. So I made my way 10 minutes away to the body piercing place, and of course, the first thing the man says to me is, I can't put this back in because it has external threading on the eyebrow. I mean, I said, I don't know what that means, but... Nevertheless, I ended up buying a new one that apparently is much easier to take in and out. It's kind of like a snap thing, which is easier than rolling that little ball. So I bought a new one. He put my earring back in. I waited like an hour because he was doing a piercing on somebody else. It was a long time, very annoying. Cost me 30 bucks. I gave him a $10 tip, which he was super excited about. So I would imagine that nobody tips him very well. Walked out of there, 40 bucks, with a new eyebrow ring that apparently will be easier to take out when need be. So, And I will no longer <clears throat> have to uh, bother my wife and ask her to do those things for me. Now, again, she doesn't really mind doing them, but when Mr. Joe is in a raging, nasty, arrogant, mean, rude mood, you know, I kind of ruin those things for myself because... Who would want to help anybody who acts like that? Nevertheless, I've had some phone calls coming in from work, and I actually had to cut, um, cut off a few times and um, redo a little bit of my um, podcast just now. Uh, probably nobody even realized that, because a lot of times I'll claim that the phone rings and you might hear it and you don't, but I had a conversation just now with somebody at work, and... Um, and, uh, I had to cut out some of my recording just now because apparently <laughs> what I realized is when I thought I hung up, I didn't. And I started re-recording my podcast and it's very possible that my coworker heard me finishing off my story. So, um, I, I trimmed that all up because when I had listened just now, Um, to the trimmed part, I could hear a significant volume difference, which indicates to me that I was still on the phone. So I had to cut all that part out. So really what I just ended up talking about that I cut out, that I'm not going to bore you with, is the fact that um, I was real nasty, real nasty with my wife last night. Went to the body piercer, um, got what I needed to get done. And, uh, you know, my nastiness kind of continued this morning. I was not I was not incredibly kind to my wife. You know, we talk about that irritability thing. We, we reviewed that during our last podcast. Well, let me tell you this morning, she got my way and I was huffing and puffing, you know, not, not out outwardly, but huffing and puffing inside. And, um, you know, which shows me that as good as I think I'm doing, you know that rage that that bipolar rage still resides in all of us it really does it resides in all of us so and uh, we speaking about irritability uh, obviously that is that was derived from our very last podcast journey that we took together, which was mr joe's very first q and a so we called it mr joe's q and a part one and i'm not going to call this a q and a part two. But we are going to address one particular question that came through in my email, I believe it was last night. And what I ended up realizing is that this one question could probably develop or be centered around an entire podcast itself really could. Um, it was actually a very interesting question, something that nobody's ever asked me before. And I get a lot of questions. Most of the time, the questions that I get are just personal emailed questions and I will answer them. And those of you who have written me before, you know that I could sometimes I could write just as much as I could speak and I will go on and on and on because I like to give my time. If you, if you have put out the effort to reach out to Mr. Joe, you best believe that I'm going to put the effort back out to you and I'm going to be as detailed as possible. Um, But in this particular situation, the question was posed to me and uh, the person indicated that it would be okay for me to share the question online. And and I'm grateful for that because I think it will help everybody to understand some of the more underlying conditions or symptoms of bipolar disorder. Um, And I, you know, I think it's a great thing. I really do. So Um, this, this, uh, man reached out to me yesterday and I'll start by giving his name if that's okay. Um, he's actually from Knoxville, Tennessee, and that is an area in which I don't know a whole lot about. Um, not too sure about, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, but, you know, I'm sure it's beautiful there. So again, this question comes from Knoxville, Tennessee, and the man's name is... Brian Key. And, um, Brian Key, um, really nice guy. Uh, him and I, we chat a little bit back and forth. He's, uh, really seems to be a real great guy and I don't mind hearing from him. Uh, he's actually showed some concern. Um, you know, when I disappeared for a little over a week, he made sure to reach out to me and, um, ask if everything was okay. So here goes, let's get to his email. This is, again, um, came to me last night. The question here, and, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm a little off guys. I have so many work phone calls that are coming in and I'm finally now taking a break from that. That's it. It's time to retire to Thanksgiving, um, and, and concentrate on my podcast. Question from Brian, between your divorce and your current marriage, you speak about this time in your life as being unmedicated and very unstable. So I'm just wondering how you met your current wife and how you were able to get her to want to spend the rest of her life with you, which with such a wackadoo. <laughs> I think that is absolutely awesome i mean really um you know it's a great question it really is i talk about all the times in my life where you know i abused drugs and and thank goodness that's not something that i have to uh, the th- this is not part of the answer that i have to get in, into right now with my current wife the person that i'm married to and that i love yes i was unmedicated but i guess on a positive note I wasn't doing drugs, which was kind of cool, Um, but, man, man, she she met a wackadoo, really. She met a wackadoo, and she didn't know it, and yes, you know, Brian, I I was unmedicated at the time, and I was unstable, and, um, you know, it was an interesting way in which I met her, and I got to tell you, it all stems from the same situation or the same symptoms, the same set of symptoms and the same lifestyle that I led basically my entire life as far back as I could remember, I guess, starting in eighth grade. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, basically what I'm saying is people with bipolar disorder, you know, there are certain there's a certain criteria to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And then there are certain, I guess you can call them myths or beliefs or which one are they. And I'll tell you right now that while it doesn't apply to all people with bipolar disorder, there are two things in particular that will often oftentimes happen. One, a lot of people with bipolar disorder are actually very bright and it doesn't need to only happen when they are in manic mode. You know, a lot of bipolar people happen to be extremely intelligent. And secondly, um, you know, many bipolar people, um, more so when they're manic, <laughs> um, they can be very manipulative and very, very romantic, very convincing. Um, and, and, you know, for Mr. Joe, I spent the majority of my life what I believe to be in manic mode. I really do, based on some of the um, overall symptoms that I had and the decisions that I made. And if you look back and, and I know I'm not answering the question directly, but I'll start from middle school right now. And I will say this and, and please don't take this in the wrong way. Um, Cause it's going to sound conceited and cocky and overconfident, but even in middle school, Mr. Joe basically dated every single girl in eighth grade. I mean, that was my thing. I thought I was great because I, you know, and we've discussed this before, about the way that I acted and my conceitedness and, but essentially I went out with every single girl. And for me, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. I, if I, you know, I got this girl, I'd get her and I'd push her aside and make sure that I got the next girl. And, you know, I, I was always keeping track of how many women, maybe not publicly, but how many women I was dating in eighth grade, I was doing this. You know, and then I've talked about the time where I lost all my friends in ninth grade. By tenth grade, Mr. Joe was back. Mr. Joe was back in action, and by graduation, believe it or not, you know, when you win those, I don't know who lives where, but in our, Mr. Joe's neighborhood, we had what we call um, superlatives, senior superlatives, and everybody won, you know, a certain category, and Mr. Joe won class flirt, flirt. That's what I won. I won class flirt and it was a landslide, you know, because what I did was walk around and flirt with every single woman that I ever came in contact with. And it was more than a flirtatious thing. It was, it was Mr. Joe being so above and beyond the normalcy of what regular flirtation would be because I was so often in mania mode. Now, when I would get down and I would isolate myself in a bedroom and smoke marijuana all by myself out the window and watch movies and, and not answer the phone when my friends would call and yell in the answering machine and say, Mr. Joe, where are you? We're supposed to go clubbing tonight. And I wouldn't answer. Well, you know what? I, it's probably because at that time I felt like I couldn't get a woman. <laughs> You know, I would go for up and down, up and down. And, you know, I wasn't going to be my very best Mr. Joe, sexy Mr. Joe that night because I wasn't manic. But as you get older, you have to start to question yourself and say to yourself, well, is it love that you're falling into? I mean, is it? Is it love that we're falling into or is it mania? And when you're still going through life, Unmedicated and not really knowing that you have bipolar disorder because you've never taken the time to figure out what was wrong, or you haven't hit rock bottom to a point where you now have to make a decision on your life in regards to how you're living, and somebody finally points out the fact that what you're doing is not normal. You go through many stages of, of your life as um, you know, being in mania or maybe being in love, and I cannot tell you how many times that Mr. Joe would be in that euphoric state of mind where I would look for erotic meetings and that special feeling of connection, and you got that those constant thoughts of the one that you desire. I mean, they all it all sounds like love, which is why it makes it so difficult to to um you know differentiate but now that I look back I say to myself listen if you're in love you're going to think about the welfare of the other person and their well-being whereas when you're in mania mode which is again what Mr. Joe was really in most of the time believe it or not Brian and my audience now of course up until the time that I met my wife and I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but ultimately it, it's true that when you're in manic mode, you're thinking about you. You're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the welfare of the other person. Um, and you're thinking about, about how this person is a means to an end for my own self-importance, if that makes any sense at all getting you, getting my wife, getting that girl, getting that co-worker, getting that neighbor, getting that mom, okay, makes me feel powerful, feeds my mania, feeds it. I mean, do you know how long I had to be, how long I had to know people to turn around and say I was in love? sometimes two weeks. God, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. And what ends up happening is, you know, when you're in mania mode and, you know, I'm going back old school now. I mean, some of the things that I used to write in my notes to women, you know, we used to pass around notes and I guess you could even, you know, make that, um, more modernized, you know, we still write cards to one another. And I certainly did that with my wife, You know, writing these amazing, romantic, beautiful words down to people because, um, you know, you have that ability. You have that ability to express yourself because you're manic. So, Brian, to answer your question, how did I, well, first of all, I met her in work, okay? Because you did ask that also, you know, how did I meet her, how did I get her, and how did I get her to want to spend the rest of my life, her life, with me? Well, I'll say this. Uh, just so you know, and I'm going to fast forward just a little bit, we did get to a point where she was very close to not wanting to spend her life with me because things got so violent, things got so so out of control in terms of my aggression that, believe me, when I tell you there was a time where she said, I just can't deal with this anymore. And the reason why she did, and this might be... Qu- Jumping too quickly to the conclusion that the reason, ultimate reason, why she did is because of the amount of effort that I put into the relationship, based on my manic actions. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, um, but but ultimately, that's that's really what went on. Now, thank goodness I made the right choice because I made the wrong choice so many times where I would wake up one day and be like. Oh, dear God, what the hell did I say to her? And I find myself running away and hiding and changing phone numbers so I, I wouldn't, you know, be found because I couldn't believe some of the decisions that I would make, some of the women that I would get involved with because I loved the emotional rush. It wasn't even necessarily the the hypersexuality in Mr. Joe. Although, I, listen, that was a big part of it as well, but that emotional bond... You know, my wife, I was having a real hard time with my ex-wife at home. I mean, I've discussed this before. I I mean, it's one of my regrets that I didn't even mention the other day. One of the things that I regret so much is the fact that when I came home or when I came back from being separated for a second time and I was attending group sessions and and, um, outpatient hospitalization and outpatient therapy and all that stuff five days a week my ex-wife promised me that she would stand by me and she didn't but before I realized that she didn't or didn't want to stand by me even though she acknowledged the fact that I needed all these things and said it would be the best thing for our relationship I went to my two children and I said daddy will never leave this house again you will never be without your father and well when I started to realize that my Self and my ex-wife were just never going to make it. And we literally started to kill each other again while I was getting well. So I thought I left again. I left again and my wife actually worked with me. And let me tell you something. When you're when you're bipolar, one of the things that you often do is you seek out people at work. And it just so happened that my wife, um, her boyfriend, uh, sorry, her husband at the time had cheated on her. Husband cheated on her. They were only married six short months and he cheated on her, which by the way, I'm sure he had a problem as well, but he cheated on her. And now I'm out of the house. Okay. And, um, actually God, at the time I was not out of the house. I was threatening to leave the house and I had every intention of leaving the house, but I didn't know where to go. So I knew that my wife, or my, this girl at the time, was uh, being cheated on, and she was preparing for a divorce. At least I thought. And with bipolar disorder, you pounce on that man. People are vulnerable when they're going through that, and you know she was pretty, she was beautiful, she was, um, you know, good-looking woman, very sweet, in the same field as me. And I said, well, you know what, let me make my way into this. And before you know it, Mr. Joe has developed a very strong relationship, friendship-wise. And, um, you know, she was a means to an end in the beginning because guess what? She lived alone. And if I wanted to leave, I had every opportunity to leave because now I had somewhere to go. Because I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to go back to my childhood home with Mr. Joe's parents who are absolutely out of their minds. So instead, what I did was I wiggled my way into this woman's home by being romantic, by being convincing, by by being, um, you know, complimentary, by being caring. Now, listen, am I that person? Yes, I am. I am. I I have to admit that I am because there is a part of me. Otherwise I wouldn't be involved with the population that I'm involved with in terms of, you know, disabilities and helping children and families. I do believe that I, I do have a good side to me, but you know, unmedicated man, again, it was a means to an end. That was it. She was there, she was beautiful, but at the same token, she was the answer for me at the time because she helped me. Now, how did I get her? And how did I maintain her? (laughs) Well, listen, as somebody who hasn't always had the best romantic relationships in life, when I met my now wife, I would leave her completely speechless by the things that I would do or the things that I would say to her. You know, the, the the romantic things that I would conjure up and the romantic things that I would say would honestly, and this is the power of being bipolar when you're manic, I would actually make her believe that she didn't deserve such a wonderful man. You know, I, I would make her believe that she didn't deserve the abusive relationship that she was in, where um, which she didn't, but, you know, did I really know that? I didn't know her well enough. I didn't know how she was treating her husband and whether or not she deserved to be cheated on. Not that anybody really deserves that, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I just made sure that I was the good guy. I drilled it, literally drilled it into her skull, that she was so deserving of my magical love that we had both found within each other. And I had her saying, I love you. And I was saying, I love you back within a month. We had the same goals in life. And we were literally instantly drawn to each other like magnets. But I'm telling you right now, was it love I love her, God. I love her so much now. But I wasn't medicated. And I was doing the exact same things to her that I would do to all the women. Yet, I would always run and hide. At this point in my life, I wasn't running and hiding anymore. It was clearly meant to be. Okay? So I thought. You know, nobody likes to really admit it, everybody. But when you have a list of qualities that they want in a partner... And when I'm not exaggerating, I made sure that she, if there was a checkbox where she could check off every single checkbox that, you know, allowed her to say, I, I am the quality that she was looking for, I made sure that she was checking those boxes. And, you know, I was a dream man. I made it that she was, you know, I was a dream man. That was it. You know, she, I would, I would have my ex, uh, not my ex, my wife believed that the thought or the idea of soulmates was never really a legitimate thought or a concept until she met me, you know, hey, you're divorced or getting divorced, I'm divorced, she's mean to me, he's mean to you, look at this, we were meant to be, we're in the same office together, you know, and once we become friends, even before the intimate relationship formed, I I helped her to understand that we both knew we had found our lifelong soulmate. And again, I say this and I sound like a romantic. I sound like I am in love. But this is the way that I used to act with every single woman that I ever met. You know, that's it. Now, here's where it used to get different. Okay, interestingly enough, although she couldn't do it completely, she was the one person in the world who can calm me down just a little bit, (laughs) honestly. Um, You know, she really was. She used to put me at ease. She, um, you know, she used to, she used to, God, she used to do things for me that I hadn't been done in so long. And I know it may sound silly, but you know, she would snuggle up with me. She would massage my head. Um, she would literally rub me until I would fall asleep. You know, and I, I'd, I I'd, I'd sleep all through the night only to wake up in the morning and she'd still be nestled safely inside, you know, embraced, embracing me anyway. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was great because if she'd wake up before me, which she usually did, she was ironing my clothes. She was making me lunch. And she had my coffee ready. You know, this was, this was how strong our love was. And, you know, as you could see, it's starting to shift now a little bit because I'm talking about all the things that she's doing for me now based on all the feelings that I made her feel for me. And not really talking about all the things I'm doing for her anymore. You know, I made her feel invincible to the world in the beginning and felt like a princess. And her self-confidence all of a sudden reaches this lifetime peak in the beginning stages of the relationship because Mr. Manic Wackadoo Joe is telling this woman every single thing that she wants to feel and hear. You look beautiful. You look stunning. Gorgeous. I'd stare at her from across the room. I'd bite my lip say I don't I just don't know what I did to deserve you and here's where I know that at the moment at the time it was all mania because when I finally started to really switch gears and become irritable and too high in mania and And move out of that romantic phase and started to get to know her, or at least started to settle in. I should never say started to get to know her because god i'm I'm blessed that I got to know her and I had the chance to be with her, really because she is she's ultimately saved my life she's really the only person that's ever stuck by me, but as I began to settle in, and my bipolar started to take over and I became an animal, and the jealousy kicked in, and the delusions kicked in, and, you know, I I started treating her like garbage, and yelling, and screaming, and drinking, and, um, you know, oh, then again, I didn't drink, God, but I smoked marijuana, you know, I smoke marijuana, okay, I I think of my ex-wife when I say drinking, but smoking marijuana to the point where I was catatonic, um, You know, I had given her so much joy in the beginning that I made it ultimately very difficult for her to want to leave. You know, it takes a lot. when You know, you look at the pros, you look at the cons, and you make a person believe that, hey, he showed me all this just a short time ago. He's got to be capable of coming back around. He's got to be. He's got to be capable of coming back around. And that's what makes a person stick around. And that's what makes a person decide whether or not they're gonna spend the rest of their life with you, which is ultimately what she decided because in her heart of hearts, she believed that Mr. Joe was more good than bad because the good was so good. Now, was it fake? No. I mean, it could have been fake. Could have been fake if, in the end, I realized that, you know, it was just another woman. But I got lucky enough, and I and I and, and I fell into a situation that I created, basically, where I just kind of lucked out. I lucked out in the sense where I actually love her, and she loves me. And I know that might sound silly, but you know, uh, listen, we had a child together, and. I was still unmedicated at the time. And, you know, she walked out on me too. She walked out on me while I was banging my head against the wall. You know, no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing, sitting up in my son's, my oldest son's room, slamming my head against the wall, cutting my arms, calling suicide hotlines because I was completely unmedicated. And this was past it all. This was, you know, because we did have... Why did she stick around? Well, because I knew, I knew that... You know, guys, it's almost the same way as when we go to see our doctors. And for those of you who are not bipolar won't understand this. But if you are bipolar, you'll understand that we could put on an act of a lifetime. We can go into a doctor's office and for the last week we could have been spending money. We could have been painting the town red. We could have been, you know, having... Sexual relationships with every woman under the sun, cheating on our wives, beating people up, not sleeping for an entire week, acting like complete wackadoos and walk into a doctor's office and tell them everything is fine. Okay? That's that's, That's what we're capable of doing. So if you don't think that during the moments where the guilt would set in, And she would cry, how could you treat me like this? If you don't think I was able to turn it around on the drop of a dime, bipolar people have that ability to do that. And apologize over and over and cry on their hands and knees. I'm so sorry, this will never happen again. You know how many times I said this will never happen again? And at some point, they either believe you or they don't believe you. And in my case, my wife believed me. At the time, my girlfriend believed me. And you know what? She almost made a real terrible mistake because had I have not been medicated or gotten myself medicated, she probably would have left me. And, and and I got to a point where I knew enough about my love for her and how lucky I was that I landed in this situation where I had a woman who cared about me more than anything in the world and I loved her, that I was going to lose her. And if I didn't, fix what was happening to me, then she'd no longer be around. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to lose another child. And what I mean by that, you know, walk out of a home and live somewhere else and not be able to see my child's face every single day. It hurts me every day that I'm not with my, um, hurts me every day that I'm not with my older children. And I have to assume that age had a lot to do with it, because again, you know, at this point in time I, I had been through so much in my life, so many hospitalizations, so many medicines. You know, I had to I had to figure it out and I did. I mean I just you know, when you when you're forty two years old, which I'm forty three now, but at the time forty two, and you're doing these things to yourself, you gotta recognize that something's wrong and it's not normal to be cutting yourself and you know, screaming and and yelling and banging your head in a wall and, you know, for really ultimately no reason. So what's the answer? How did I get a woman to spend the rest of my life, her life with me? I fed her enough bull crap in the beginning that I made it so difficult for her. When she tried to weigh out the pros and cons, she believed in her heart that the good outweighed the bad and that at some point in some time, Mr. Joe would come around to be that same person that she met, that she fell in love with, that swept her off her feet in the very beginning. And I wasn't that person. I was not that person at all. But I had to ultimately become that person again. Um, and, and, and the only way I could do it, guys, was through medication. That's the God's honest truth. That is the absolute only way that I could have done it. Otherwise, I would not have my wife today. I hope that answers your question, Brian. And um, that's it. Keep hitting me up with the questions. I love them. I mean, man, if I could develop a whole podcast after one single question, that's great. You guys do all the work for me and I'll just, um, you know, (laughs) answer questions and keep making podcast episodes. Listen, I want to wish everybody a happy and healthy Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I probably won't be around tomorrow for the Thanksgiving holiday, but I will do my very best to get back in action on Friday. Um, Again, guys, you know, celebrate the day. Do, you know, whatever you do. Watch football. I mean, I don't watch football. I used to. I don't do it anymore. You know, but eat healthy. Eat horrible. I don't care what you do. All right? Just enjoy yourself and enjoy your family. And, um, you know, God bless everybody out there. In closing, I'd like to say if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask you that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are currently struggling with a mental illness right now, you're having a hard time out there, I ask that you keep battling, keep fighting, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Again, happy Thanksgiving, and everybody have a great day.